Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Now, today's episode might be a little bit different from some of the other episodes. There is an explicit language warning. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to say. I don't really have plans, but I'm not going to not allow myself to swear. I usually keep it G-rated. The other thing is that there could be a trigger warning. I might talk about things that could be triggering if you're particularly easily offended. And if you're easily offended, I would suggest you go elsewhere. This may not be the episode for you. I may not even be the podcaster for you. Not that I'm all that over the edge, but I don't, I have a particular point of view on this and you're going to learn about it in this episode. And so I'm suggesting if you are easily offended that you hang around and at least give it a listen, give it a consideration because this episode is about being tougher in the world, about not being easily offended. This idea for this episode started this morning when I was talking to my wife over coffee. We were talking about higher consciousness and life after death and the experience of God, and it was pretty deep. But uh, something, I forget what she said, but I just was kind of musefully, musefully? Is that a word? I think that's a serial. I was musing to myself, uh, just kind of thinking out loud, at what point did people become so sensitive? When did people become such a snowflake? Now, a snowflake, I'll read you the definition because I think it's important that we have a working definition of what a snowflake is. Now, the dictionary starts out saying this is a derogatory slang word, meaning that it's probably not a compliment if someone calls you a snowflake. But it's a term for a person implying that they have an inflated sense of uniqueness. I'm special. An unwarranted sense of entitlement. I shouldn't be treated this way or are overly emotional, easily offended, and unable to deal with opposing opinions. Overly emotional, easily offended, and unable to deal with opposing opinions without being offended. That's what a snowflake is, and I'm of the opinion that the world is full of them, especially today, more so than any other time in history, as far as I know. I mean, people have always been offended in one way or another, And some people actually go out of their way looking to be offended. Now, in my conversation with my wife this morning, we kind of ascertained that it occurred in the 80s with the self-esteem movement. The whole aspect of promoting your kids, your kids' well-being, they're special, they're unique, they're, they're, they're a winner, even though they didn't win. And out of that behavior came a sense of entitlement, a sense of that I deserve something that maybe they didn't earn necessarily. In the 90s and the 2000s, it's more prevalent when you go to a sporting event for a young child. And, you know, I'm talking about a swim meet. For one, there's six people, six lanes, and they have six medals for that particular heat. Meaning that just showing up, you got a medal. In my opinion, it's meaningless. But some of these kids really value the fact that they got a medal just for showing up. And we can see this translating into behavior in the workplace. I showed up. I deserve a paycheck. No, you don't get paid just to show up. You get paid for the value that you give when you show up. You don't get paid by the hour. You don't get paid by the week. You don't get paid by the salary. You get paid for the job you perform. 
you got paid by the hour, you could stay home and just get paid. No, you get paid for the value that you contribute. Somehow, somewhere along the line, a lot of people have lost this perspective. But the other side of this snowflake phenomenon is that you need to talk to me in a way where I'm not offended, where I'm valued, where I get my specialness, my uniqueness. I have to tell you something has really been irritating me lately is our youngest, who's autistic, has been starting to say, I'm special. I don't know where he got it. He didn't get it from me. And I always say, you're special just like everyone else. Everyone's special. I think Margaret Mead said that, anthropologist, your values, that you're unique and special, just like everyone else. But my real message today is that I want you to take it like a man, whether you're a woman or not, like a real man. Like, take it like you're resilient. When you can get knocked down, you pick yourself back up. With, because one thing that's inevitable as a human being, you're going to get knocked on your ass. Not just once, probably more than once. You're going to have a big setback at some point in your life. If it's not a huge setback, at least it's going to feel defeating. That's part of being human. If you don't have the capacity to bounce back, if you don't have the capacity to be resilient, to respond when you get knocked down, then you are going to be at the short end of the rope. You're going to feel victimized. You're going to feel like the world owes you something. You're going to feel like you don't want to go on. And so when my son says that, I rephrase it and say, you're smart, you're resilient, you work hard, you like to figure things out. That capacity to bounce back, to to respond to failure in a positive way is worth more than any feeling that you're special. And so if you listen to me, I want you to decide to be a person that has grit, to be a person that has resilience, to be a person that perseveres. One of my greatest strengths is that you can knock me down a hundred times and I will get up on the hundred and one time. I will always get up one more time. I might get up slowly, but I will get up. I've already made the decision that there is nothing that can happen to me that will not allow me to persevere, to rise above, to overcome. I have literally adopted the Marine Corps motto, improvise, adapt, and overcome. As a person that has put themselves out in the limelight, out in center stage, so to speak, I open myself up for comments. I open myself up for trolls. I open myself up for derogatory remarks. But it doesn't mean anything about me. It means more about you. And invariably, I put out some content. Occasionally, someone will say, I can't believe you did that. I can't. Of all the people, I expected so much more from you. When I hear those, I'm always amused because it points more to the person that is saying that, that they're attempting to shame me into some behavior that they think is more appropriate rather than who I am. Why am I saying what I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I actually ask those questions, but they have a knee-jerk response to be offended. I don't like the way you said that. I don't like that term. I don't like that word. I don't like what you did. Okay. Well, this is a free world. And that's the beauty of this. You don't have to listen. I have definite things that I find offensive. There are things that I find repulsive in the world. And so if that happens to be you or someone else, I tend to ignore it. 
I just ignore it. It's not on my radar. I'm not participating. In the end, I'm all love and sunshine, but I do believe there are some people on the planet that do not or should not uh, deserve to breed. Until they heal their own wounds, until they heal their own perspective, that they get their mind right, they should not be perpetuating out into the world. As I've said before, I love everyone. I love all the humans on the planet. I just don't like everybody. When I see behavior in another that I am judgmental of or that I'm repulsed by or have a polarity response against, that's an opportunity for me to look within myself. What about that is within me? Do I have that pattern that I'm not necessarily being present to or aware of? What about that is offending me? Oh, I I just remembered what my wife said. She was recounting this this woman on TikTok who has had near-death experiences. And a person asked her a question, asked the TikToker a question about if someone unalives themselves, what is the response on the other side? What is their near-death experience like? Is it any different? And so this term, unalive yourself, is such a pussyfooting around politically motivated way to say suicide. Now, I get that they're trying to circumvent being censored by whatever platform they're on by not talking about suicide. I get why people would or want to commit suicide. I just think in the context of greater consciousness, that's not why you're here. You're here to heal that shit. You're here to get your value. You're here to actually alchemize the experience of being human, to stop living in the mucky-muck feelings and alchemize it into an elevated state, to gain power and mastery over your mind. And so if you have thoughts of suicide, you're here to overcome it. It's stupid to think that people don't have these thoughts. I think just about every person on the planet at one point in their life just considers the idea, what would the planet be like? What would my family be like? What would my what would the world be like without me? Would I make a difference? Well, I've come to that realization that I get to say whether or not I make a difference. And I've interacted with enough people over the years to know just the fact that you're on the planet, you make a difference. You don't have to do anything phenomenally. Just be how you're being on the planet makes a difference for everybody else. But this term, unalive yourself, how how weak, how, and I know originally it comes from not wanting to promote suicide or talk about suicide and glorify it. And even that, there was talk in the, I think in the 80s, to not talk about committing suicide as if you're committing a crime. Well, if you off yourself, if you end your life, that's the political thing to say, you ended your life or you died by suicide. To say one committed suicide makes it sound like a crime. Well, of course, this is my opinion. I do think it's a crime against your potential. You have unlimited potential. And if that's the place you're at, then you're not even begun to tap into just how phenomenal you can be. But I get it. I get people have different responses, different family dynamics. They've been in trauma. They've been had traumatic events. Again, it doesn't matter the trauma you've gone through. 
you can have one of two stories. You can have the story of your trauma, of why things are the way they are, or you can have the story of your healing. And in this episode, I'm not going to slice and dice why that might have happened or why it happened. Who cares why it happened? It happened. So deal with it. Life is tough. Get a helmet. And when I say deal with it, I mean heal it, face it, accept it. And when I say accept it, it's just the fact that it happened. You don't condone it. You don't agree with it. But you reclaim your power. Because if we say, I'm this way because of that event, because of that parent, because of this circumstance, then you are a slave to the past. I mentioned earlier, we're here to alchemize the experience, to turn it into something good, turn it into something that empowers us. And I'll tell you, when I'm with you, heartbeat to heartbeat, I have the greatest compassion for being in that and working your way through it. But I also will tell you that I will not allow you to be a victim. I will not allow you to wallow in that mess. Because there's no power in that. There's no way you can see yourself out of that if that's your point of view. And if that's your point of view, you are going to be offended on multiple fronts. There's always going to be something that triggers a response in you, that triggers the hurt, triggers the pain. That's a sign that you need to heal that shit. Because there are a thousand and one things at any given moment that we can point to and blame that we can say, that's why I am the way I am. That's why my life isn't working. That's why I don't have relationships that are fulfilling. That's why I can't love. That's why I can't trust. I had a client start out telling me in the beginning, I've had a horrible mom. She did not model for me healthy relationships. She had a broken relationship with herself. She sold herself out in every relationship. She was in abusive relationships. She did not give me good advice in being a woman. And that is why I am the way I am. I said, knowing that you did not have a healthy model for relationships, how you circumvent that today is by studying relationships. What does it mean to be a healthy individual? What does it mean to be in a healthy relationship? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Seek out the models of a healthy relationship today. You know why you ended up where you currently are. You don't have to stay there unless you want to. And since I just told you how to get out of this, staying where you are is now a choice. She was insulted at first because she wanted me to say, oh, poor baby, poor little girl, you had a bad childhood. That explains everything. If you get knocked down, pick yourself back up. I'm going to say something that might land wrong for some people. That's okay. Just take it in, listen to it, actually mull it around, ruminate over it, and tell me if it's not true. Biologically, your parents' only responsibility was to have you, give birth to you. If they were halfway decent parents, they provided you with shelter, a consistent amount of food, and nurturing. They were not necessarily responsible for your emotional well-being. And this is where people get in trouble. My mom and dad should have, could have done this. But let me give you this perspective. You could be my child and I could tell you exactly how to think, how to behave, how to dress, what time to get up in the morning, what time to go to bed, what to eat, when to eat it. And you would be a productive, valuable human being in the world. You would be emotionally well-balanced. But I ask you the question, at what point do you want to assert your own mind? At what point do you want to make your own choices in life? At what point do I become a tyrant? At what point do I become, you know, just me living through you? At what point do you become responsible 
for your experience of life. Now, I personally believe that a good parent provides more than just the basic necessities. And I also understand that every parent that comes in that steps into the parenting arena has their own baggage, their own shit that they've been dealing with or haven't dealt with forever. And invariably, if they don't handle it or never handled it, it gets handed off to the kids. Because as a little sponge, you're taking in the world, you're modeling behavior, you're modeling responses, you're a blend of your parents in many respects. And there's events and circumstances that create a splintering off of our personality. We have multiple aspects of our personality by the time we merge into adulthood. And most of that took place is because you just didn't know any better. You didn't know how to take care of yourself. You didn't necessarily know how to choose for yourself. But with that said, if we take the position, if we take the the mental stance that our parents were not responsible for our life, they were responsible for giving us birth, giving us life, but not necessarily making sure we turned out as a productive, emotionally balanced human being. That's our job. And if we take that stance, then you're now empowered, knowing that they made mistakes. It was inevitable that they would make mistakes with you. And if you're a parent and you've made mistakes with your kids, it was inevitable. Because ultimately, the greatest gift you can give your children is being a healthy human being yourself. But again, I want to reiterate that this stance that your parents were only responsible for giving birth is just a point of view that gives you ultimate power to craft your life and not blame them. You can just point to some point in your life and say, yep, they fucked that up. Now that you know that, you can deal with it. Because if we live in this illusion, they should have, could have done this, or they could have treated me this way, or they should have known this, it just perpetuates the pain. Because the truth is, more than likely, they didn't. They weren't there. They didn't come through, not in the way you wanted them to. And so when we can accept them for what they did or what they didn't do, then we can move on. We can create from there. My definition of maturity is choosing your life independent of your childhood, independent of your upbringing. Now, you, this is not to say you're going to reject or repel or rebel against your childhood, against what your parents thought or believed. You get to choose it. There might be aspects that were pretty good, that worked. And you can choose it and bring it forward as your own, not because of what you were taught. There are going to be things that you reject or things that you leave behind. And you can do that from your choice. And then as an adult, in this new moment of choosing your life, picking and choosing what you take with you and what you leave behind, that is a state of maturity, of taking responsibility for how you move forward, not reacting from the past. Now for a moment, I want to talk about failure because I've had parents, I've sat with parents that have cried about competition, competitive nature in sports. Shouldn't be there, should be done away with. Our kids just learn how to fail or they get angry. And I completely disagree. If you take the competitive nature out of sports, out of games, there's no point. It doesn't take you very long in playing tic-tac-toe to realize there's no clear winner ever. As long as there's no oversight on your part, it will always be a draw. You cannot win at tic-tac-toe as long as the other person doesn't make any mistakes. 
But more than likely, as an adult, you do not play tic-tac-toe. If you were playing cards, if you were playing poker and there was no clear winner, you don't play very long. And even if you don't play for real money, you play for chips, you're, there's still some way of ascertaining at the end of the night whether or not you were a winner or a loser. Now, I have to say, one of the presuppositions of NLP and something I teach and talk about repeatedly is that there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. It all is based on the criteria that you set forth on what determines whether or not you win or lose. Now, it's inevitable in life that you're not going to reach your goal at some point or another. That could be considered a failure. But if you're playing the long game and in the long game or the infinite game, there's an infinite number of finite games inside the big game, then it's just a series of learning from one failure to the next, changing your approach, changing your behavior, and doing a little bit better next time. Like I've said before, we have an autistic son who participates in a Miracle League baseball. Now, they don't count the runs in the Miracle League. It's all about playing. It's all about hitting the ball and running the bases. But in that regard, it's not about to score. It's about hitting the ball. If someone doesn't hit the ball, they feel bad about themselves. So they want to hit the ball. And if they can't hit the pitch, they set it up on a tee and they hit it off the tee. And that's a win. That's a hit. And then they run the bases. And they'll throw and tag them out, but they'll keep running. People don't get out. They're just in the play of it. From their perspective, it's competitive. In their perspective, they're winning. They're achieving something. They're getting a result. Now, fortunately, I have to say, as a spectator, it only goes for an hour. And the fun I have as a spectator is watching them, the kids, have fun. But because there is no winner, because there is no loser, I'm not necessarily invested in the outcome of the game. From my perspective in competition, it's always been interesting to be inside a game, inside a contest where you're a clear, or you're at a clear deficit and you know you're going to lose, meaning lose the game. You have to set it up to where you can win inside of it because it's defeating ahead of time to walk into a losing situation or a no-win scenario. And so you set up the criteria. I've talked about the movie Rocky. Uh, Rocky Balboa is going to meet Apollo Creed, and he realizes the night before the fight that he cannot win. He just is outclassed, outmatched. And then he realizes that no one has ever gone the distance, has stood up all 15 rounds with the champ. And so rather than win, that becomes his goal. If I can just be standing at the, when the bell rings at the end of the 15th round, I'll know I wasn't just another bum from the neighborhood. And so he changed the rules. He changed the game for him. For him to win, I just had to go the distance. I've talked in the past about me playing tennis and not being very good or playing someone, my friend, who was fairly good a lot. Well, he was better than me. Let's say he was just better than me. And so we, but we would play again and again because I didn't mind losing as long as we were having fun. And I was learning as if I was incrementally getting better and I could only get better by playing someone better than me, I was moving forward. My friend, which I didn't realize at the time, was getting a lot of value at just beating me, of being a winner. That's the way he decided that, that uh, I guess, affirmed his value. I didn't realize that until many years later. We had a break of a couple years, but I continued to practice. I was lifting weights. I was getting stronger. I was practicing my serve. And we came back together. 
and we were going to have fun and play. And I was just putting the serves right in, acing, right, oh, repeatedly over and over again. He couldn't hardly return a ball. So I'd slow it up, make it easier for him. He would hit it back. And then I, I was practicing my backhand, my forehand. I was had just reached a point where I was much better than him. But that only lasted four games. We played for years, him beating me. I beat him four games in a row. He wanted to quit. I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling up to it. It's not just right. And I said, okay. We never, ever played since. But again, what's this have to do with not being offended? Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to fail. Failure is part of life. You're going to fail again and again and again. And it means nothing about you. What does mean something about you is how resilient you will be in the face of failure. Will you look at it as feedback? Will you shift your approach? Will you learn what you need to learn to overcome? I've adopted the Marine Corps motto, improvise, adapt, and overcome. The other thing that I hope is coming through, that life is not fair. It's not meant to be fair. We'll never, ever be fair. If you expect it to be fair, you're going to be quickly disillusioned. If you're offended, if you find yourself defensive about something someone else is saying, ask. this is a point of self-reflection. Ask yourself, why am I offended? What about this is offensive? If they're right, if what they're saying is true, what does it mean about me? And if we become activated, what's happening is when someone says something that we find offensive, it's usually because it's something we haven't come to terms with for ourselves. It's a it's an area of weakness for us, or it might be a belief that we don't want to believe about ourselves. One of the things I spout from my soapbox when I'm in preaching mode is that you live your life from inner signals, be inner directed. Come from your own inner sense of authenticity. And don't, in the end, acquiesce to other people's goals and agendas, their idea of what is a valuable life for you. But this is something you need to come to terms with, something you need to accept to come. When I say come to terms with, you need to arrive at the conclusion from your own thinking and validate it for yourself, not validated by external approval. You see, so many people's self-concepts are so fragile, it's dependent upon the acceptance of other people, the feedback that they're getting from the environment. And I see that as the driving force in the transsexual and gender fluid conversation. I have a definite point of view on it, but I'm still working some things out. So I'm not going to say exactly what it is here. There's some things I don't understand about it. But I do understand this. If a person is going to stand on the platform that they're transsexual, that they're a man in a woman's body, or they're a woman in a man's body, and they choose to express themselves as someone of the opposite sex or the sex that they're not uh, physically born into, then they need to accept that this is an alternative choice. That as a segment of the population, it's only one and a half percent of the total population. Let's be generous. Let's say it's three percent. And because it's such a subset of the population, it may or may not be a popular point of view or a popular decision to make. This is where you need to be good with it. It needs to come from your own inner decision, your own inner signals that this is the most appropriate choice for me. And face the possibility of rejection from acceptance from the outside world. And just like it would not be appropriate for me to tell you how to think or tell one how to think, it's not appropriate for you to tell me how to think in response or anybody else how to think 
in response. Remember, I parent a child. I nurture a child. I love a child who's atypical. He does not fit in a box. I hang out with other parents who have kids who do not fit in a box. They are atypical. They're not normal. They don't fit into any categories per se. And that's the challenge with autism is because no two kids have the same presenting issues, same presenting problems. They're very similar in some regards, but each child is unique. I believe that each person on the planet has a unique expression, and I want people to be self-expressed. But what goes with the territory is that you need to be able to take the comments. You need to be able to take the trolls You need and play it off. It doesn't mean anything about you. I don't know if I said this earlier, but uh, since I've taken center stage, since I'm in the limelight, there are people that say things to me. They say some derogatory things. Some people don't like me. It's okay. There's enough of me to go around to the people that do like me. There's enough people, I guess, that accept me for my message or buy into my message or find my message valuable. And that's good enough. I don't need to be everything to everybody. There's no way I can be everything to everybody. I don't need everyone's acceptance. So what I'm saying, and this is what the thing that I don't necessarily like about our social environment, is that people need to toughen up. You need to toughen up. You need to not take things so personally. Because I'm not responsible for you. You're not responsible for me. Each of us are responsible for our own wants and needs, for our own responses. I'm going to leave you with a short clip from Candace Owens. Candace Owens is a political and social commentator. Uh, I think she's very smart, very articulate, and she has some definite points of view. Uh, She did a speech on a college campus, and at the beginning of this clip, it enters into a question and answer session where students are asking questions from the floor. Hello. What do you have to say to the trans students on this campus who actively feel victimized by your presence here today? Life's tough. Get a helmet, man. I'm too pregnant for this. Life's tough. Get a helmet. Life isn't fair. It will never be fair. Life is going to kick you on there, but sooner or later, it's guaranteed. Make the decision to be resilient, to rise above it. You can rise above it. You're so great. You have such capacity for greatness. The ceiling to your potential is determined when you say, I can't. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. <laughs> <laughs>